0: Welcome back to Podcast Recovery, everyone. We are your hosts, David O. And Carly R. And today we're joined by our very special... Special. Spethel? special friend, Halsey. <laughs> our special friend, Halsey. How are you doing, man?
1: I'm doing good. Life is good. Good. I'm... I don't... I didn't get nearly enough sleep last night. Yep. But, um... I feel like when i'm tired i'm more likely to just i don't have enough energy to lie or like make myself sound good yeah probably for the best
0: yeah the ego doesn't have time to wake up
1: yeah that's
0: a good thing uh where are you from palsy
1: i grew up in Bowie, maryland okay Um, that explains a lot does it i don't know yeah in pg county and i lived there up until i was around 16 and i moved to crofton so yeah That's such a,
0: it's a weird area of maryland yeah for some reason Bowie and crofton are, are they're just weird to me well Why? Bowie's
1: changed a lot over the years like oh, when yeah. i go back there it feels like a completely different place yeah like it, it got was built like up a lot. yeah it's like a lot higher class it seems like it was really like working class when i was growing up mm-hmm. um what i loved about it was it, it just felt like really diverse there mm-hmm. like it was it was either go-go and hip-hop in the hallways or it was like punk rock kids or, you know, skater kids or, you know, we had it all. Yeah.
0: So when were you first introduced to recovery?
1: Introduced, I guess it wasn't until, um, yeah, I was 27 years old. December, December 20th of 2017 is when I was introduced and it was in, uh, through treatment.
0: How old are you? 33? 33.
1: 33. Oh, man, I'm you got guess. it, nailed, nailed it. it. I don't know how you knew that. <laughs> I don't know either.
0: Uh, and how long have you been clean?
1: So, I've been clean since May 28th, 2021.
0: Fantastic! All right, well, with all that out of the way, I'm going to turn it over to you to share your story with us. So, take it away.
1: All right, um, I guess starting, starting back as a kid, I was, um I think I was troubled at a, at an early age. I was an angry kid. I was a depressed kid. I remember being in, in class in, like, elementary school. I think I was, like, 10 years old, and I just started crying in class. And oh, yeah. Uh, yep. And the teacher asked me why, and I said, I don't know. And um, after that, like, I started get, going into, like – like child psychiatrist child therapy and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and i was diagnosed with depression when i was like 10 and that was uh like a lot of different medications trying to figure the thing out and i would either take them and feel weird or i would lie about taking them and Mm -hmm. um some of them would make me even more of an angry child you know i remember one time when i was playing basketball when i was a kid um because like, basketball was like my life for so long.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um just feeling like the like the ref didn't like me. <laughs> and he kept like calling me on block and fouls when I was clearly taking a charge. Yeah. And <laughs> I remember getting pissed off and throwing the ball at his face. Like nice. when I was like twelve years old. That's savage. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And yeah, after that they switched medications again. Yeah. You know? um you
0: went full meta world peace on him. yeah
1: exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um i guess it like my mom was one of the cool moms like she kind of liked uh she f- she felt like she like i'm the youngest by like five years for my two sisters we have different pa- different dads mm-hmm. and they were um uh, five and six years older than me or something like that five and seven mm-hmm. years older than me um so they were like in high school and partying and stuff and my mom was the the cool mom that wanted you know to have the party at her house okay you know yeah, what i mean I was like, what kind of cool mom? Okay. yeah yeah um so i got introduced and i think i tried like wine coolers for the first time when i was like
2: Oh, Twelve. So that was your first drink.
1: That was my first drink. Yeah, That's and you, I remember we usually
0: interject on people because they'll just like <laughs> glaze by. Like, yeah, we started drinking. We're like, what did you start drinking? Mm. Schlitz, and it's like <laughs> <gasps> and wine cools.
1: Well, the Solid. first time I drank it, I didn't feel anything at all, but I acted drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like i did it to like get the attention at yeah. the party that was happening and i wasn't drunk at all but i was just acting just, wild uh, and stuff yeah. and that reminds me of when i was even younger like being a, we i used to spend like whole summer at the pool like mm-hmm. at the community pool yep. and i remember like drinking like these things that were like little sugar shot i forgot what they were It was like watermelon sugar shot kind of thing it was like a kind of candy and okay. drinking like a bunch of them and to like get a sugar rush i don't feel like i got one but i acted hyper to like and i didn't realize that when i was a kid obviously but like after being in recovery it was like oh i wanted to like be acting differently from something i put in my body way before i actually felt anything from you know any mind-altering substance um and then first time i smoked weed same thing i didn't actually get high and Oh, I got so high. Yeah. I didn't yeah. Because I guess it was because I didn't um inhale. I didn't maybe? inhale. Okay, Clinton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um so yeah, I mean it was I was my sister was like super popular and like she was like the cool the like I was known as Alicia's little brother growing up, you know, and like I knew all the older kids and stuff like that and and I think it was like 13 or 14 when I finally did actually get high. It was 420. I remember I smoked and like they were like, no, no, no you gotta, you gotta breathe in yeah. afterwards. And I got high oh, yeah. as shit. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and these kids, they were like older than me, and like I thought they were so fucking cool. And they intimidated the shit out of me. So like I didn't enjoy my yeah. high like at all. Like yeah. I was like. <laughs> this is way too much it was intense as shit
0: really quick did your because you like followed the cool sister did your sisters leave like were you did you follow like cool sisters and they're like oh you're whatever i can't remember your sister's names you're oh they're they're, their little sister Mm. like you know what i mean did they leave a good reputation for you to follow because my sisters did not (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay
2: i mean more so in like sports Mm. yeah um, you're but stars. my other sister, yeah. my oldest sister, is twelve years older than I am. So, yeah, oh, okay. It was like,
0: but you all went to the same schools, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: It's the same for me on my dad's side. Um, my brother's sixteen years older than me, and my sister's eighteen years older than me. So I'm the youngest <laughs> yeah. by like a, mm-hmm. a long shot. Yeah, yeah.
0: So my three older sisters are have a different dad, so mm-hmm. we had different last names. Yeah. So, do you
1: one, have any full brothers
0: or sisters? One, my younger. Okay. And so, yeah, my the. Uh, Oldest sister, total A-lister. And then the next one was like, eh, 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 not so good. And, and then, then they oh, had oh, you. And no, and then my sister Sarah is a total piece of hot garbage. <laughs> and they were like, oh, are you related to Sarah? I was like, no, she has a different last name. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know this She's like, no, she is awful. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I feel like there was part of my feeling different then was um, I didn't have any full brothers or sisters. I'm way mm-hmm. different than my siblings. I mean, I love them all and they all love yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah but i'm way different than both sides you know and my mom and dad were i couldn't even imagine them like hooking up or like loving each other you know what i mean like they're so different yeah you know like my dad actually um found out he had like super abusive alcoholic parents and they always like told him he was like they would like insult his intelligence his whole life like oh we're not expecting much from you or like that kind of stuff and he took an IQ test when he was 40 years old and found out that he was a genius uh he's in Mensa and stuff so like at 44 when I like four years later when he met my mom my mom was an aerobics instructor and (laughs) like completely different my dad's like kind of (laughs) liberal my mom's completely conservative. They're like, they couldn't be more different people, huh. you know? So my two sides of the family, brothers and sisters, are like vastly different, vastly different. yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. So back to you having a shitty high.
1: Yeah, so a shitty high, yeah, and, uh, and then, well, I mean for me it was like that that first time was weird and then it was kind of fun after that and then and then after that it was just the it was just game on like I I just loved marijuana I, yeah. I I chased it nonstop and and that first uh summer when we would drink together there was like this uh I'm probably snitching on it. I wonder if they still do it. But we would leave Bowie to go right inside of Lanham, and there was this place called Langways. It was like a, okay. a liquor store okay. where you could do a drive-through. And as long as you were in a car and you did the drive-through, yep. they did not card you. Yep, okay. Game yeah. on. So we bought cheap vodka every single every single day. What was and, your
0: What was your cheap vodka go to?
1: I want to say it was Wolf Oh my God. Yeah. I was so afraid you were yeah. going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Wolf Schmidt is
0: terrible. Wolf Schmidt is so terrible. Yeah. It is the bottom of the barrel. The bottom it, of the barrel. It was made in the absolute. Horrid. Yes. Yeah, it is made in a dirty bathtub. Yeah, dude. It it's tastes like that and then It pop tastes off. like charcoal. It's nasty yes, it's as so shit. Bad. Yeah. so bad. And then pop off and then yeah. break yeah. off. Pop
1: off, I think we got a little bit more often. Yeah. But like if, if things were rough oh and we had God. to. Scr- Schmidt. Yeah.
0: We used to drink Wolf Schmidt and Country Time Lemonade. Yeah. And we're a bunch of
1: 15, 14. 14-year-olds yeah. like rolling up in there with like pan in change to get vodka. Yes! <laughs> <You know? laughs>
0: At a brew through. In yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, um, and that first summer, every time I got drunk, it was like the plan. Like I would drink to throw up and then once I threw up, I was good after that. <clears throat> and every single time I drank, I, I threw up yeah.
0: every single time. Did you puke and rally? Or did you puke and the night was over?
2: No, I would puke and rally, but Fuck it was right. very very um <laughs> seldom that i actually what? puked huh so it was very sel- seldom that i actually puked
1: that's how like after that first summer like i guess my liver was like okay this is what we're doing now so like i just didn't like after that it was very rare i threw up unless i mixed drugs you know like just alcohol almost never made me throw up after that always. yeah i just went through the gauntlet oh, to get yeah. used. To, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, you are drinking Walsh, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly, After. starting off strong, yeah. yeah,
1: And uh, yeah, man, I remember it was so funny, like uh, growing up in like high school, I think it was like 15 or 16 or something, and my friend, like a couple of my friends did ecstasy, and like I remember like judging the shit out of them and like telling them like, you're, you're killing brain cells, you're gonna yeah, yeah, be yeah. stupid, yeah. you know, like <laughs> you can't mess with that stuff. Yeah. And then like two years later, I was, you know, I was yeah. doing harder drugs than all of them, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, so like I just remember it was it was throughout high school like I was a terrible fucking student. I never went to school. I skipped all the time. It was all it was all chasing uh marijuana, it was all chasing alcohol and every once in a while I'd do some other like pills or whatever. Um and then as soon as I turned like after I moved to Crofton when I was around 17 or 18 something like that, I uh, got introduced to cocaine and after that um it was yeah, it was funny because <laughs> I I had no um, delusion about the fact that I was a fucking addict. Yeah. Uh, immediately. Mm-hmm. Immediately. Um, and I started selling it. And, you know, my ego took over. And I thought I was the fucking man. I thought I was a little gangster. And like, <laughs> 18-year-old Halsey that's <laughs> a buck. You are not a gangster. A buck 25 tops. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, yeah, I was. Uh, soaking wet. Soaking wet. Yeah. On a, on a day after eating a big breakfast. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, it became unmanageable very quickly. And I actually had like a, a very serious connect, like, like there were Dominicans, you know, and oh. like, and I was fucking up my money. And I was starting to get scared and like, uh, the guy that was the intermediary between me and the Dominicans, like, started telling me stories about like what they do yeah, and stuff. Chop, chop and I was like, okay, shade. I need to take this seriously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I can't just be getting high on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't stop immediately, but I, uh, did get out before getting, uh, killed, I guess. Yeah. You know? And. Yeah, after that, I got introduced to like I had a girlfriend. She introduced me to heroin because like mm-hmm. she was just like you know cocaine's so expensive. She was like we should just go to the city and get dope. It's so much cheaper. And that is higher the for complete longer.
0: opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, like that is. The- I was yeah. like, hey, let's
1: try it. It's only ten bucks for one of these. Yeah. Fucking sweet. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, I I fell head over heels for heroin. At, I think I was eighteen, and I, it was what I did. And then that relationship. Uh, she actually ended up cheating on me for my best friend in high school. No. Oh, yeah. And it's funny because she reached out to me recently and I was like, Oh, you want to get clean? was oh, like, No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I was saying if you were good. Wow. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what she was looking for, but I didn't <laughs> I, have it. I'm good,
0: yeah. but not the way you are. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah exactly. Um, yeah. And, And after that, um, after we broke up and I like dealt with that, me and some uh, old friends from high school started going to raves and um, it felt like I, it was like my way out of my heroin heroin Mm -hmm. addiction, you know? And I still, like my mom had a Vicodin prescription, so I still like maintained every day off just stealing her Vicodin prescription or her giving it to me sometimes. Yeah. Most of the time just stealing it. Yeah. And, you know, I just did, like, a little bit of that every day. And without that, I, like, you know, I couldn't function. Hey, but, like, yeah, I'd take, like, one, one and a half of those and, and last through the day. And then I'd go to raves. And I, you know, that was a really good time in my life, to be honest. Like, it was, like, <laughs> it really was. You know, Sounded like it. It was fun, it. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and I, um, I don't know, like. Cause I'm a freak and like, I like to consider myself an artist and, and a weirdo and, a, you know, and I like to express myself. And I found this place where these people were just unapologetically weird as fuck. Oh yeah. And, and I, I fell in love like immediately, you know, and, you know, the, the drug dealing thing came in pretty quick. And, you know, I, I was just always finding stuff for people. And I was like, well, maybe I should just buy it and they should just get it directly from me. Yeah. And it was this place called the black hole in Dundalk. And that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. And Jeez. and uh, I became a house dealer there. So the guy who owned the place, you would have to uh, pay him a percentage of it. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just remember like, and then this guy came down from New York. I'm not going to say his name because I think he still does the same thing. Uh-huh. Um, and he started supplying the club and we would just pay out to him and he would pay the club owner.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh
1: and then like it was really good fucking money i was having a really good time but like the opiates were starting to come back because i had all this money Mm -hmm. and like in that kind of culture that subculture like Mm -hmm. it's a drug culture for sure you know but certain drugs are off the table and certain drugs are taboo and other drugs you know party drugs are acceptable Mm -hmm. so like i had to hide this you know percocet habit Mm -hmm. um and i didn't want anybody to know that about me
0: yeah but what's crazy is like which I didn't know for a long time until I really got into that scene meth huge Mm. huge like you wouldn't you wouldn't Really necessarily like oh yeah people are going into the club <laughs> and doing meth. Yep, they
1: are. And you're doing meth whether you like it or not because if you're doing yeah. ecstasy, you're you're doing meth. You're probably doing meth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And um and I just remember so every time I've like sold drugs and actually been somewhat successful, it was first of all it was always for a short amount of time. Oh. Second of all, um I always got this intuition that was like it's time to stop. Yeah. Um and yep. like these like I, I firmly believe like my belief is that Do you think I, it
0: was like the drug psychosis that was part of it? Because I would get, I would get paranoid and shit and be like, I gotta move. No. I'm, I I'm hot boy. I really, shit around here. I
1: really don't I don't think it was psychosis to be honest. I really believe that was like intuition. I really believe that it was like my higher power speaking to me. I do, nice. you know. Uh I guess my higher power was like, you know, jail doesn't need to be part of your story. Yeah. <laughs>
2: you know? You're not built
1: for that, bud. Good. Yeah. Yeah, and uh it's so so you know it's the same with the dominican selling coke i was like something tells me i might get killed here i need to stop i've
0: (laughs) seen one too many machetes this week yeah yeah
1: yeah and uh and then at the the club at the black hole you know it was great money hand over fist i had i could support my habit fucking easily um ego took over again you know um and and i remember like like i was there one night and I started DJing around like I was starting to DJ with uh, uh, this like, like my best friend at the time. And I was and I remember seeing that they were selling Molly jello shots at the bar. For 20 bucks. So you were buying it directly from the club at that point. There was no plausible Whoa. deniability that there was just people selling drugs at the club. You could buy them. A, yeah. A, That's a, wild. Yeah. At That's the, wild. And as <laughs> soon as I saw that, people were like so excited about it and shit. And I was I like, sure. this is fucking stupid. I was yeah. like, this place is going down in flames. There was no doubt after that, yeah. you know. And I was like, I think I should see myself out, you know. Yeah. And, I, and I slowly, you know, transitioned out of that and started really focusing on DJing and then i think it was like 3 months later maybe 4 um i was supposed to go there just to just to have a good time on like a wednesday night or something
0: mm-hmm.
1: and my <laughs> ride my ride bailed on me and 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 then they texted me a picture of the club and there was like 20 cop cars outside of it and everybody got arrested and i was just thinking to myself they had like a year long um Oh, case yeah. on the place. Oh yeah, they were specifically was, was on a sting operation. Yeah, especially sure. it, specifically on the owner as well, who we didn't know this at all. But he also had in the basement like a huge um, like weed growing operation that nobody knew about. I thought, I thought
0: about. you were gonna say like gambling ring, oh, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> a whole bunch
1: of Vietnamese people, <laughs> doing, yeah, doing fucking Russian roulette. Yeah, yeah, no, that would have been
0: great. All I could see is Frank. Been right, Roy, been right. <laughs> Just
1: with the iPad for no reason. Yeah, Um, and Um, yeah, people got arrested. Some people got really (laughs) fucked on that because they weren't even drug dealers, and people were throwing their drugs down. And I I don't remember the guy's name, but there was this guy who was in the military who they threw the drugs down like out of the way, and it was down around his feet. So when the Mm -hmm. cops came, they they pinned it on him, and he got like discharged from the from from the army for that. Yeah, yeah. So like, I dodged a bullet on that one, and then and then um you know i just i just started really diving into djing Uh and in in the in the rave scene and it was me and uh me and my best friend zeus we both lived in pasadena it was somehow you know and we like were really hungry and really loved doing it and and uh we became very successful very quickly Mm -hmm. like we were both obsessed about you know making something that mattered to us you Mm -hmm. know and like we we tried to portray like a bit of an image because we you know we're like 21 22 years old. so we're like on facebook uh um you know talking about spirituality and fighting the power and shit and going to raves and teaching you know (laughs) and uh during this time i mean so like at first the first like year i would say i i was really like about it and i loved it and i was hungry and but like my my drug addiction was still there. I still had an opiate dependency that I was hiding from everybody and I had to like put like wear this mask of like who I was yeah. and what I was like putting putting out there. And like I slowly but surely started hating myself for it, like recognizing that I was full of shit. Um, these people don't really know who I am. Uh, what I'm what I'm doing here is is complete, you know it's a complete farce. it's all it's all like fake and false and like we came to the point where we were supposed to like take it to the next step we were going to like like sign with a uh an agency and stuff like that and like i just self destructed like i i didn't work on it anymore i um I couldn't, like, put on the farce anymore. Me and my partner started really butting heads a lot. You know, egos started taking over. I mean, that's, that's my story, man. Like, ego over and over again. It comes mm-hmm. up, kicks my ass. Like, if I don't humble myself, I get humiliated. It happens over and over and over again. And that was, like, the most public humiliation for me mm-hmm. because, you know, he was doing all the work. You know, he was doing all the work for us to get, he was still hungry and I was not, I hated it. I hated it myself. I couldn't, I couldn't keep up the mask anymore, you yep. know? um. So like, I wasn't showing up. I wasn't doing my part, you know? So, you know, we broke it off. And then after that, I, I started dating this chick and, uh, and she was like, she, she did Suboxone and she, it was like the perfect storm of like a really toxic relationship, really rough yep um it was like the person who i was like you know fuck this i'm not gonna hide who i am anymore i'm not gonna like put on a farce anymore i'm just gonna be a, the fucking drug addict that i really am oh, yeah. you know and that was like a incredibly abusive and traumatic um relationship it was it was terrible and uh i used to blame her for, for a lot of it and going over my fourth step like i, I recognize like how much of it was me mm. in my self-pity and my, uh, you know, in the, in the basic text, that says self-pity is the most destructive of emotions. And I, and that's, that's something that always stuck with me because I become this toxic fucking leech mm. when I hate myself and oh, I, yeah. and I feel sorry for myself and I, and I self-destruct any, any good thing and any bad thing. I just make worse, you know? Um, and so, and it was weird because like I wasn't in this DJing duo anymore he took the keys to the kingdom he deserved them to be honest but i still hated him for it because i felt like i built it with him you know Mm -hmm. and um you know like my first of all i lost my best friend second of all um i'm in this horrific relationship and i don't know what to do with myself so i'm still trying to dj kind of new solo project but i like i have no nothing in the tank no creative juices whatsoever so it's just sad you know it's just sad (laughs) I have like Terrible Terrible bookings I'm not a good DJ anymore I feel like people Are feeling Sorry for me You know are literally
0: Just rickety You're rickety cricket With a trash can Yeah
1: exactly My voice is hoarse I'm I'm looking Yeah exactly
0: Sounds great you guys Yeah
1: And I'm like Completely um, Dependent on suboxone Now And there was like No hiding Like I was So skinny Such sunken hollow eyes You know Like I Like I was such a, a Shadow of who I was before And uh yeah it was sad it was like that for a few years like those three years were like really when I feel like I was at my most hopeless you know because especially because the suboxone man like because I wasn't prescribed suboxone I bought it off the street I didn't have like a dose so like um, I needed it every single day and I didn't Mm -hmm. know how much I I needed so I just adjusted accordingly you know (laughs) yeah what did uh, I
0: take yesterday
1: I don't know I don't don't fucking care I feel like shit today so I'm taking this double it Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm And, um, yeah, it was just, in those three years, it was just me like, uh, being a washed up DJ and I got, I got a job in electrical work and, and, um, you know, I, I was, you know, stuck on Suboxone and, and just like horribly depressed and living at my mom's house. You know, I never moved out on my own or anything like that. And, uh, I remember I was trying to kick Suboxone, um, and I was three weeks in and I was feeling worse than I was the first week and i think it was either thanksgiving or christmas i think it was thanksgiving came up and uh you know i was supposed to go down to virginia to see my family with my mom Mm -hmm. and i was so sick um and i didn't like i was like i don't i can't do this you know so i tried to go in my mom's room and steal some vicodin again and she caught me for like the 50th time. You got to understand my mom loves the shit out of me. I'm like, you know, the favorite child, you know. Like she enabled me. She loved me so much. She let me get away with fucking anything. Mm-hmm. And after 50 times of catching me try to steal from her, she finally kicked me out. Like mm-hmm. she kicked me out of her fucking house and I was homeless for like 2 weeks in my car. Basically, so she would go to work and I would drive I would like leave. She'd go to work so I'd go back to the house at 9:30 and stay in the house. Until she was about to get off work <laughs> yep. and then I would leave again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I found a roommate with, um, I mean, I found two roommates who were both homeless too. And, uh, we got a spot in Baltimore in Charles Village, 28th and Howard. And that was like, uh, that was such a fun time in my life because at around this time, I actually transitioned from my suboxone habit and I started using Kratom okay. and it gave me this, this level of denial. Yeah. Uh that I was like, I'm no longer on a chemical. I'm now all natural. I'm still opiate dependent, but like I, you know, I got my sex drive back and stuff. I, I felt like I had more energy. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, I figured it out. I yep. found the formula. Yep. Because that was always what I was looking for. You know, I was always looking for the formula. What's the set of rules? What's oh, the parameters? Yeah. What's the right uh, you know, is it the weekends? Am I just supposed to do cocaine on the weekends? Am I supposed to just drink? Like whatever. You
0: could never duplicate it though
1: no like i tried to go back
0: dude i did like i was like okay i did this amount of this this amount of this this amount of this and i was like and i felt awesome so the next time i did that same amount i was like it's not the same yeah yeah it's the hungry ghost man the hungry ghost
1: the hungry ghost feeds off of it be working for a, a small amount of time and then once it and it'll never work again and so but it'll keep feeding you that lie that it'll work like it did in the past
0: that's the title of this episode, by the way. The hungry ghost, the hungry ghost. <laughs> That's solid. That's good. I'm like, oh fuck. That's
1: yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um so where was I at? Um Great. Okay, so I was uh living in, in Baltimore. I was starting to study like uh magic and metaphysics and like the tarot and stuff like that. Okay. And like I thought I was God's gift to the earth. Again, <laughs> ego. Ego comes up. I think I'm the fucking shit. I'm telling people what color their aura is and shit. You know what I mean? And, like, I'm giving people tarot readings. And, <laughs> you know, and, like, from being on boxing for three years and, like, I straight up, like, my penis doesn't work to, like, yeah. being on Kratom and having my own spot and, like, I'm getting laid and stuff. I'm like, fuck, yeah. I am yeah. the fucking man, you know? <laughs> and it was, uh, and, you know, like, it became so unmanageable because... Like, I never had any kind of coping skills. That never happened. Um, so I I was just such an emotional wreck. And I, I believe now, in hindsight, that I was uh, experiencing a kind of, like, mania for, like, six months in a row. Um, yes. Like, a real fucking mania where I was just, I was so high on myself and on life in such an unsustainable way. And, you know, I, I dealt with a lot of uh baggage with like women around that time and relationships and, um, also my roommates, we fought and I was either like feeling amazing or I was angry or I was horny or I was, uh, but I was never sad. You know, I was never depressed. <laughs> I was everything but sad. I want
0: to fight and I want to fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or well, I want to laugh,
1: you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it was a big party house, you know? And like, uh, like... It started, it it was, it was one of those things that burned bright and then it burned out.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's like a, that's a, that's a pattern for me, you know, burning bright and burning out. um, If there's any kind of good, it happens like real strong and then it, and then it dissipates and I go back to the same place of completely unmanageable, completely sad and hiding from the world, you know. And uh, I moved out and I moved back in with my mom. And my mom, uh, you know, I guess she's always been an alcoholic, but it was, it was, like socially acceptable alcoholism but when i moved back in with her she i guess it was like empty nest or something like that or like it just progressed like you know like the disease does um but when i moved back in with her like her alcoholism was uh it was horrific it was really bad it was um it was hard to watch and it got worse very quickly after right. i moved in and like it was like being with somebody who was possessed by the devil you no, al-
0: alcohol is so gross it's it's, it's a nasty
1: gross. one that's it's why they call alcohol. it spirits man it's the hungry ghost you know like like people like she would be speaking in tongues like i felt <laughs> uh, yeah. like she was possessed by a demon like i really felt that way because she'd be in the living room on the pull out couch pull out sofa of, the, of her couch instead of her bed for some reason and yelling about you know writing people out of her will Uh, Screaming at the wall about stuff that was incoherent And I couldn't understand what she was talking about But it was just nasty shit And I fucking hated her for it Yeah, I hated her for it. it And it became this like Blaming her for the way that I was I was like no wonder I am the way I am It's because of fucking you You know and like, there was times where she, uh, like, I'm selling weed out of her house and she's like, you know, you gotta buy me liquor because like, you know, I'm, I'm gonna die from detox. And like, she would give it to me and I'd like parse it out for her. And then she'd be like, yeah, this isn't working. Just give me the bottle, you know? And I, uh, the, the resentment and like the hatred and also like i couldn't tell her no you know i'm living in her house selling yeah. weed and like not paying rent so like i'm i'm you know doing my part i guess you know <laughs> and uh it you know I, all i could think was like i just need to get back to baltimore in my own spot like i'll be happy again i'll be having fun again like i like because i had that little 6 month period of it being fun and like so that's what i look for i found a roommate who like was like becoming one of my best friends me and him like sold coke at the at the at the you know clubs together you know and like i he proved himself as a super trustworthy guy and i was like fuck yeah let's get it let's get a a place together you know so we moved to um north uh station north i think it's north and
0: north avenue
1: yeah north avenue and you do not
0: belong on fucking north avenue
1: i do not i didn't know it before i (laughs) moved in there yeah well, apparently I do actually, because <laughs> we'll get to that part. <laughs> I didn't, but yeah. So, um, so we move in together and, um, you know, I'm like soon, very shortly after moving in, I was like, oh shit, like, this isn't fun. Like, I thought this is going to be fun again. What happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, it was sad immediately um it was
0: the different cocktail it was the cocktail of life exactly the The hungry ghost told me it was going to be different people places and things yeah
1: yeah. it told me it was going to be different it told me it was going to be the same and it was not you know and uh you know, he went off like he went off to like do this like cooking gig at like a festival in Ohio with his friend, and he got paid like three grand for it. And when he came back, he started smoking crack, and like with all this money he had, and he went from. <laughs> what like, do you want to do? All we would get, to, we oh, would get high. We would get high together oh, all the time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We would get high together all the time, but we, usually we do coke together. Um, and it was pretty bad, and w- we were pretty bad with Coke and stuff, but he was still like. Who the no-
0: fuck was ever good with it?
1: No. Well, c- by comparison, I, <laughs> I guess is the right way to cup. put it. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just do a little Coke. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess I guess what I mean by that is like by comparison to when he started smoking crack because yeah. he was, uh, I wasn't worried about him uh, stealing from me or becoming a different person on it. Mm-hmm. Like we would just be fiending and run out of money and then, you know, that shit would suck obviously. So we weren't good there's, on coke.
0: The, There's this hilarious <laughs> meme that's like these people who just look like like eight like 17th century like royalty just looking down. They're like, we do cocaine. We don't smoke crack. Yeah. <laughs> That is exactly how I felt. That was me, yes, exactly, hundred percent, exactly.
1: And that's why I never like uh, thought of asking for help because I always thought that people that went to treatment
2: were crackheads. But I knew
1: that Narcotics Anonymous existed, mm-hmm. but I thought that was for people who were homeless, dope fiends, and crack addicts. You know, yeah. and I never used IV. I never did needles, yep. and I never smoked crack up to that point. Did
0: you ever smoke crack? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. <Huh. laughs> good for you <laughs> thank you it's not on brand for I sure you did. i'm glad you explained <laughs> i'm glad you expanded your horizon i did for
2: a little while yeah
0: i was snoot i would smoke coke but i would never smoke crack
1: mm. so yeah when he came back uh shortly like i i still was fighting the tide and not trying to smoke crack and uh he stole my rent money um this is before i started smoking crack and i never like could prove it <laughs> You know, good for you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I never could prove it. And I remember on the street, I was like looking for coke from a random, like random people on the street. And uh, this this dude was like, "Yeah, I got you." And he gave me crack. He sold me crack. So like, I went home and I had like a little chillum for smoking weed. We'll so one, I tried to. One, I, I one was crack like, <laughs> "One crack, please." <laughs> How much would you suggest for a first time user?
0: <laughs> uh, Fifty bucks that
1: sounds reasonable yeah <laughs> yeah so um yeah so i went home and i smoked it out of a little chillum and you know my roommate was like man i gotta i gotta teach you how to do this correctly so like uh he taught me how to smoke crack
0: yeah we're not gonna go roommate. into it for our listeners yeah <laughs> don't google it yeah exactly.
1: just don't smoke crack <laughs> yeah. when houston would say crack is whack yeah yeah so and and I'm very grateful for crack cocaine because it destroyed my illusions. Everybody was. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I d- destroyed my illusions of my life ever being different than what it, w- it was becoming yeah. right then. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was inevitably going to end up whatever circumstances were in my life that might have given me hope, like throughout all of these years of using, whether it was the new, new woman, the new job, um, you know, the new cocktail of drugs yep. that might work for a little while. Yep. Um, like I was always going to end up in my room scared of the world. Um, like having to do what I have to do to get high. Uh, a lot of times during my addiction, like I couldn't muster up whatever to go and get money. So I would most of the time just be miserable
0: yeah.
1: in my room alone. And like once <laughs> money came just along.
0: Sad. Just I want credit. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. So how did and, you
0: get to recover?
1: So yeah, so this was actually how it happened. So like, so in Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving, I like by that point I was completely lost by it Mm -hmm. and, uh, it was, I was like maybe like 110 pounds, you know, I hadn't eaten anything in a long time, Mm -hmm. like, and Thanksgiving came up and my mom, you know, like I was gonna, I was gonna go over there to get the first meal I've had in months and to get some money from her so Mm -hmm. I could get high and she obliged, you know, um. And my mom, at this point, I forgot, like when I moved out, I drove, like when I moved to Baltimore, I was like taking carloads of stuff. And my mom was like, can you take me to the hospital? I need to go into detox. And I remember like dropping her off at the hospital. And I don't even think I said a fucking word because I resented her so much. And this wasn't the first time she went into treatment. um, And it didn't work. It didn't take before. So like, I remember like stopping at the hospital and I didn't say anything. I just waited for her to get out of my car and then I went off to Baltimore. And, um, six, six months later or so on Thanksgiving, I came back to her apartment and it had been renovated. She was like lively and happy. She had these friends from, from AA mm-hmm. and, um, she was, she was like a completely different woman. Yeah. And, and I remember there was a guy there and at this point I wasn't going to insult anybody and tell them I was doing okay. You know? Yeah. I was like, obviously completely in the grip you okay. know and i uh you know he asked me well you ever think i told him straight up i was like yeah i'm smoking crack and i'm doing heroin every day and like i you know like i'm miserable you know and he was like you ever think about going to treatment and i was like oh. i was like you know at this point yeah and i'll never forget how he handled it it was attraction rather than promotion mm-hmm. you know he didn't get in my face and say, you're going to die out there. You need to get clean. You need to get into treatment. He was like, he just said like, okay. And then he treated me like a human. And after living in Baltimore and and Station North, smoking crack every day, you know, like, I was treated like a fucking animal yeah. and I was living like an animal from everybody, you know. And It was the first time I was treated like a man by somebody in, mm-hmm. in a very long time, you know, and they just dropped it and treated me treated me normal and we just had a Thanksgiving together. And then a couple months later, um, you know, my roommate who became a complete fucking monster at this point. He was a three-time Iraq War veteran. He was a trained fucking killer. He had PTSD and mm. he was a fucking crackhead. And he would steal from me, and and if I and I remember, I went. He stole from me like after like the fiftieth fucking time, and this was money that I was in the hole from somebody else for now. Mm-hmm. And I like went into my room and started punching the wall. And he got he like banged into my room, got in my face, and was like, he was like, "What the fuck are you gonna do about it?" And like. That was when I surrendered. Yeah. Like, cause I was like, holy shit, all that's ever going to happen to me in this life is I'm going to just get taken from, taken advantage of. I had no dignity. I was always going to be scared in my room. And, um, you know, I, I left, I went on to my fire escape right after that. And I called my mom and I was like, and I was crying my fucking eyes out. And I was like, I need help. You know, I need to I need to go into treatment. Like I I need I can't live like this anymore. And we had an eviction notice and our so there was a fork in the road here. It was like either I was gonna become a homeless, real like bum drug addict, or I was gonna go into treatment. Um so she got me into treatment, I and and that's where it started for me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I wanna go so like first of all, I fell in love with recovery immediately. It was such a relief, mm-hmm. you know I was like, holy shit, there is another way of life So, like, I was completely enamored By what this thing was, you know Like, yeah. everything they talked about doing They told, they suggested I did it I went to meetings every day mm-hmm. I got a sponsor um, You know, I worked steps Like, as diligently as I could And I got um, Two H&I commitments I was speaker-seeker for my home group I was just doing the damn thing And I fell in love with it And... I remember, like after my year clean, I think the I got a year clean, and after that, my pink cloud dispersed, and I that was, happens a lot
0: after one year. Yeah, it happened yeah. to me too.
1: People burn bright, man. That's that's my that's my thing. Like I burn bright, super super fu- like super hot, super all about it. And then once it wears out. And I'm left with like the wreckage of like who I really am. And I'm also like, I'm I'm really impatient with my, my process and how I'm changing with my step work because I'm becoming more and more aware of who I am and it's not changing. I was like, oh, I figured it out. This is what needs to change to so change yeah you know, hurry up yep. you know and i was getting impatient with it and i didn't i wasn't aware of it back then but i was starting to really suffer suffer with self-pity like i felt tired all the time um i've been dealing with chronic back pain my whole life that was a big justification for my opiate addiction mm-hmm. and i like i've i slept on my back wrong one night and i woke up the next day with a with a Twisted back. This is me like working out, eating well, you know, like doing step work, going yep. to meetings all the time. And I feel like shit every single day. Yep. And I'm like, why the fuck? You know, and I didn't know it, but I had a reservation of like, if I don't, if if I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing to the best of my ability, I should be feeling better. Mm-hmm. I should be feeling good all the time. Yeah. That was really like, I didn't re- recognize that that was my expectation, but it was, yeah. you know? And like, I, I was writing in a journal back then. And I remember writing down um that I wanted, like, I just wrote it was I read back on this. And I was like, it was just seeping with self pity was like, fuck this. I'm going to the store, I'm going to buy kratom. I'm gonna uh keep an eye on it. That's what I said. I'm gonna keep an eye on it. Yeah. <laughs> So, I made a little deal with my disease. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And the Hungry Ghost, man, it it told me it was going to be like it was before. You know? It was going to... No, no, no. It was going to tell me... It told me it was going to be better than it was before because now I had recovery. So, I was going to be able to really manage it, you know? I was just going to do it when I had back pain or whatever. And immediately, you know, I was doing it every single day. And I was in a recovery house. And I, like, really... I... Was suffering from denial from it But it became apparent pretty quickly Like I wasn't admitting it But it became apparent I was like oh shit I, I relapsed yeah. Like I gotta get honest here yep. And I told my recovery house I think it took like three months Oh yeah I remember I picked up an 18 month key tag When I had known mm-hmm. That I was definitely not clean anymore Yeah, And I never felt so gross about myself In my entire life yep. You know And when I picked it up Like uh, I was like oh shit Yeah it's time You gotta you got to get honest And I got honest and it started this two year long cycle of going back and forth from like with Kratom back to the home group to get a white key tag, back to telling that my sponsor starting the steps over again. And like this, this happened over and over again. And there was a couple of times I got like three months once one time I got, um, nine months, uh, during, during COVID, Mm -hmm. like going to zoom meetings and stuff. And then I, um, I got a root canal and a crown in oh, yeah. early 2021. I got two in the span of a month. So the first one, I he like said to his his uh, dental assistant, like, so go ahead and give him uh hydrocodone. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I raised my hand. I was like, no, I'm in recovery. I don't need that. You can just <laughs> give me ibuprofen. And I was like feeling all good, you know. <laughs> and then three weeks later, same exact dentist. Yeah. Um, didn't say it out loud. So I didn't get to, you know, um. Yeah. declare just
0: gave you the piece of paper and you were like
1: <laughs> yep i was like i as soon as he handed it to me I, I knew exactly what was on that piece of paper yeah and like i just stuffed it in my pocket and i left there and the whole time i'm hearing in my i'm hearing like my conscious say like you haven't used yet you know you could call your sponsor there's a chance here
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i went to rite aid to fill the prescription and it was uh it was they were out they were out of it. They were out of stock of, of hydrocodone <laughs> at Rite Aid, and you were like,
0: "Rite Aid is bullshit. I'm going to Walgreens." Exactly, exactly.
1: <laughs> so, so I just started hearing like bells were ringing, like call your fucking sponsor. You still haven't used, dude. You can make it through this. But I had made a decision. Yeah, you know, I made the decision to get high, and it wasn't it wasn't going back. Mm-hmm. You know, and after this, I, I think I had like a three week three week phase of it, and a guy from. Uh, from from my network he he had been calling me, and I wasn't answering. He called me um like the night before and and I was using Kratom at this point I'd run out of my prescription obviously and uh i i like thought to myself i was like yeah tonight's tonight's it after this i'm I'm, I'm getting rid of it mm-hmm. and i i i call like i was like i'll call him tomorrow, get honest i gotta get back to the you know i gotta get back to where you know where my help is mm-hmm. And He called me at 9 o'clock I probably stayed up Till like 6 o'clock In the morning that night I couldn't sleep I flushed my shit Down the toilet And then I got a call from him At 9 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. It was actually Josh oh,
0: nice. Josh K Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And he uh, He was calling me At 9 o'clock in the morning I was like Alright I'm gonna call him back I just need some fucking sleep And then I heard a knock at my door I was like Son of a bitch yeah. I know I know who that is And they came in man And they, they just let me spew All of my judgmental um self-deception shit about uh recovery all my judgments all the things i thought was wrong with it and my other friend dan uh dan g like i was like i was like i did all this i did the step work i did you know i was going to meetings i got service commitments i was like i did all this shit and here i am and he was like yeah you were going through the list you forgot the last one don't use no matter what he was like without that none of the, <laughs> the, yeah. all the other shit you're wasting your fucking time yeah and uh we went out and played disc golf and i just bitched about my life and bitched about recovery while playing disc golf and i played the best game of disc golf i've ever played <laughs> like I- i'd never played that well in my entire life and i wasn't even paying attention i was just like fuck this fuck that and it was just like he was like mm-hmm. uh, josh was like you're, you're playing really well <laughs> Yeah, exactly, and um, yeah, and then I, I, you know, I did the same thing. I went back to the home group, called the sponsor, but like before that, I was realizing I was like, you know, I was like, I don't want like, cause it was every time it was the same thing. I got to pick up the white key tag at the same home group. I got to call the same sponsor, and I loved this sponsor. He he knew me so well. We had such a deep connection, but I just knew I needed to change my landscape in mm-hmm. in in recovery. I knew that like. You had to get a new cocktail. I ju- yeah, exactly, exactly. This one actually worked though. Um, I decided to change sponsors. I decided to change home groups. It was an incredibly difficult decision to make, but I knew I needed to make it. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, and and I did it. You know, and and my recovery, like I, my networks. There's still some overlap from my old network, but it's a completely new network now. I'm in a different area. You know, I love our area. Oh, yeah. I'm super grateful for it. Super grateful for the new home group too. So, yeah, it's amazing. The best the I know. I know. I people at. Uh, at Tradition house always, uh always give me shit because I'm like unabashedly like, yeah, your home group's nice, but. <laughs> it's trash. <laughs> exactly. It's the fucking mess. Yeah, exactly.
0: Dude, the, it was literally me, Brad and Greg the other night. We just did a 35 minute meditation
1: It was cool awesome so it was only three people yeah yeah i remember like last year um around the same time when christina celebrated uh there was like way less regulars that came so we just straight up shut down the meeting that yeah that night um but we this did, time we, last year it was we
0: debated a, and we were like no let's just do a long meditation yeah. and we did and it was
1: yeah so yeah because like for a good solid like two months last year it was like it was like four people pretty often was like was like all we had at the yeah. meeting. And those are like some of my favorite meetings. Oh, yeah. It was like we meditated for a while and then everybody shared for like 10 minutes each. <laughs> and that was like, it was just so intimate and great. You know, I, I love those meetings, man. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, we definitely have some questions for
2: you. All right. You have some questions?
0: Carly, would you like to go? No. Okay. <laughs> I know <laughs> you pen done. I offered you mine. Um, <laughs> do, 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 do. Um, hmm okay so you talked to you talked a bunch of times about uh we've talked about this on on our podcast that there comes a point in your addiction that you just surrender to your addiction yeah uh, where you're just like okay this is this This is is gonna be what it is how did that trajectory really like change the scope of your addiction
1: Hmm. um yeah, I mean.
0: Because once, once, once you accept it, like the old fun is not as fun. Anymore.
1: Yeah, and I also had different phases, man, like throughout it. So like, you know, if people asked me what my drug of choices I'd be like, well, depends on what year. You know what <laughs> I mean? Um, because I, you know, there was times where I was a, you know, a festival kid and a party kid. And I, I like to do a bunch of psychedelics and, mm. you know, ketamine and stuff like that. And those were my Ugh. drugs of choice. Ugh. Yeah. It is pretty gross. It's I don't. So I. It's so weird because like I, I. don't think I liked ketamine most of the time I was doing it, but it was like no. a solid like two year span where it was like I did it all the time. Oh, yeah, same I did here. it twice. It yeah, it's a weird drug Super i did it the
0: like, first time i did it i was like i'm on a whole bunch of other shit i think there's a, like a, the the i gotta try are, it again the cocktail's wrong yeah, yeah so yeah. then i tried it without <laughs> anything else just it's like straight oh, this ketamy. is worse and i was like oh my god this is so much worse i was like this is, <laughs> like, this is trash yeah this is yeah
1: a trash so drug. i mean to <sighs> answer your question it's like um so it was always like these these bursts um you know my sponsor like i i don't remember reading this in the uh, literature i'm not the best literature thumper to be honest um but he you those know we were, annoy me anyway. yeah when we were talking to, what, what he quoted to me it was like we were almost forced to keep using if we thought we had control over it something along those lines mm-hmm. so like um i always was st- like i can't like there was phases where i surrendered to it it's like i am a fucking dope fiend now yeah. or i am you know a crackhead now or whatever and it like i didn't have much choice so i surrendered to it but there was always like me trying to find the cocktail that was my that was my experience you mm-hmm. know and when it really took over um i'm grateful it took over the way that it did when it did because you know my um my like comfort of being able to live rent free or whatever I had burned that bridge and I was I was really gonna lose myself to the streets of Baltimore and I'm not built for that shit. So yeah, it I got my ass kicked. Because I wasn't just getting stolen from my from my um roommate. It was like I was prey on the streets of Baltimore no matter what, going oh, out yeah. and doing what I had to do. Yep. You know?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Carla. What you got?
2: um so clearly relapse is part of your story so like in and out and in and out like what was that experience like continuously like leaving the rooms and coming back in difficult shame like
1: so the, the majority of my relapsing was actually well both times but the first time um i had like three real relapses there was mm-hmm. a couple times where i was like trying to stop but it barely lasted um but for the majority of that time, I was actually living in a recovery house. And when I would mm. start using Kratom again, cause they didn't drug test for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to go to a couple meetings a week. So there wasn't questions asked. And then it became like, I fucking hated being in meetings so much using and like not getting honest. Every time they were like white key tag, I was, there was so much shame. Mm. Like, pulling my heart down i felt so gross being in that meeting and not not getting honest about the fact that i needed help because i always worried that i was going to get kicked out you know like Mm -hmm. so every time i had to surrender it was always like are they going to kick me out this time and they didn't kick me out like after three times of using like three times of relapse and when i lived in that recovery house and like i remember it It was so hard, like I would always try to save face and then I would give up on saving face and still be living in the recovery house just playing video games all fucking day Mm -hmm. and not even going to my home group anymore. And like the amount of of shame just being around these people that I knew and loved and had a real connection with and I knew I wasn't showing up as the same man anymore. Mm -hmm. And I knew these people knew what was going on with me but nobody was calling me out on it so I was just gonna, you know, until the pain got great enough, you know, like I just, I just kept struggling through it. And it was always – there was always this fear of like me getting judged for it too, you know, because when I was new in recovery and on that pink cloud, again, ego – Uh, I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be the NA rookie of the year. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like I'm doing, I'm doing, you know, like all this step work. I got up to my fifth step in my first year. Like how, like, you know, I'm going faster than y'all motherfuckers. I've got like, you know, two service commitments. I'm overdoing it so much. And you know, the shame of me now having relapse as a part of my story was like, Oh, like I'm full of shit. These people are going to finally see, how full of shit I am Mm -hmm. and how my ego's been running the show and see me for who I really am. You know, so it was so hard to get honest and to humble myself, you know. And nowadays, like going in like this this past like few weeks after I just finished my fifth step, going getting into the exact nature, um, like my my sponsor pointed out these three separate things and told me how related they were in my conscious, my higher power, whatever kind of just like made it obvious it was like oh the, the the thing with these three things that he's talking about is a lack of humility like that is the answer to these three things that's the thing that is causing the exact nature of your wrongs here is it's always been like that you know like this ego i'm um, what do they call it terminally unique mm-hmm. like the yep. the tragically unique. the rules yeah. apply to you guys oh, yeah. i'm sure you guys need these rules we're like it the, keeps you guys we are yeah. the
0: world's greatest piece of shit <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs>
1: yeah i'm special yeah. yeah oh i was the best such piece a trap shit ever
0: you guys think you guys are pieces of shit i was a better piece of shit. Than <laughs> you. i'm a scumbag i was a shiny turd <laughs> um you good okay i was mm-hmm. like um, <laughs> all right. How do you handle mental health and emotions in recovery?
1: Mm, love this question. So, I think um, one of the major differences in my recovery and what's made it more sustainable Medi- this time meditation on Thursday nights. Yes. In meditation, <laughs> meditation daily as yeah. well. I meditate. <sighs> A new practice of mine is every night before sleep, I do this like uh, I call it the grace embrace. <laughs> <laughs> working, okay. working title
0: okay yeah, I'm still looking <laughs> <Yeah>. for what <laughs> it, was, it we're gonna for the like. next
1: one, so right before bed I, I use the uh, insight timer thing, I put it on for five minutes, often I go longer than five minutes, sometimes I'll put it on for ten minutes, but like i go for five minutes very minimum of me meditating and like just trying to invite in my higher power and trying to like search for feelings of when uh i feel that presence Mm -hmm. and it's been a game changer for me it's been like i've been feeling way stronger with my conscious contact and way more um in touch with my intuition and just guidance and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um Tiny there you go so um and and i'd say the main thing for me because this time last year i was in a deep depression i was clean mm-hmm. i had just moved into the recovery house after like my life fell into shit um mm-hmm. in recovery stayed clean through it some fucking how. and um and like i was just playing video games all day i had no job i had no idea how i was gonna make rent every week and i was so like i was back in that place of like you know this is where we use it's not when tragedy strikes It's not when real pain hits me that I get high. It's when I'm in that mind-numbing numbness of not feeling life in my veins. That's when I get high. You know, when
0: you're in the routine,
1: exactly the routine of of misery and self pity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so like what I recognized was like, dude, I need discipline. I need consistency. You know, I like I've got this rabbit or like this dribble in my head that's running in a, you know, running in one of those things. What do you call them? It's
0: a a hamster wheel. Hamster
1: wheel. There you go. Thank you. So not a dribble. So hamster in a hamster wheel. I've got this thing in my brain that that, um...
0: It's a rodent.
1: Is going... Yeah, it's a rodent of some sort. (laughs) It's definitely... (laughs) yeah and and, and it needs it needs me it needs stuff to do and if like i truly believe that i have like energy in my body and i have energy in my head that if it's not being utilized it turns against me so like Mm -hmm. i need to go to the gym i need to shut it up through meditation and i need to have some kind of creative endeavor that i am focusing my addictive obsessive nature on um without that like it turns into self-hatred i turn into uh like I hate myself. Um
0: We will I, obsess and compulse about anything. Like yeah. it we, and
1: about my pain. Yeah. I obsess and compulse about how I feel all yeah. all day. Yeah. Yeah. So I, like I've always knew this and it took a while to internalize, but I needed to recognize that like it, just because I don't like if I don't get used to doing shit that I don't feel like doing and I'm only doing shit that I feel like doing, then I'm never going to have a good life. Yep. There's no way. Yep. And it took so long for me to be able to push through that, that invisible wall that was like, it doesn't matter how you feel about it. Do the fucking work, you know? So it it was kind of fighting against that um, cycle of burning bright and burning out, I guess, you know, because... For it to be sustainable it'll have to be consistent yep. there's no way around it it's a marathon not
0: a sprint exactly mm-hmm. all
2: right what you got babe? um so you talked about early on when you felt real different from your siblings you talked about the resentment with your mom how or how has your relationship with your family changed after putting in the work and recovery
1: mm. so first of all um I knew I, I didn't want to take up too much time, but like the reason my my life was uh, like, so last, so 2021 in December. Um, so like about seven years ago, my sister had an aneurysm and- um, Like, this was, this was my sister that was super popular in high school. I was a, I was like, Mm -hmm. for the first like year in high school, I was Alicia's little brother, Mm -hmm. you know? And she had an aneurysm and, um, she went from being like life of the party. Everybody loves this chick to, uh, being in a wheelchair Mm. and she had this beautiful singing voice. Um, now she, it's like more of a chore for her to talk. Um, and I hid away from that. Like, obviously in my addiction, I didn't show up as a brother. And then even in recovery, I just like something told me like, you're not ready for this to like address this and be a brother, you know, like, so I swept all that shit under the rug. And, um, I was like in 2021, I realized cause I was working so much that I was going to miss the one time a year that I see her, which is in Christmas. I see her once a year at Christmas. I tell her I'm going to come by and hang out and then I don't do it, you know, um, and I something just told me like because I was gonna miss it, it was like, Man, just just go be a brother. It doesn't need to be about Christmas. Just go see your sister. And I went there and all of that shit under the rug, um, all that grief, all that all that guilt of not showing up, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It broke me. It broke my relationship to my higher power. This is all in recovery, you know? Um, and I had never been in such heart wrenching pain in my entire life. And like then I got fired from FedEx. You know about that story.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> got his FedEx truck stolen.
1: Yeah. I love the keys in the ignition.
0: <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> you didn't know that? No, yeah. I didn't. Know that. That Dude, it's so funny because fault. when I'm in
1: the shit of it, when I was in the shit of it, and I would tell some of my friends in my my network, they're like, well, that was fucking stupid. And they would laugh at me. And I'm like, fuck you, man. My life is ruined. This isn't funny. <laughs>
2: Did they steal the whole truck or just they the thing? They stole the
1: whole ass truck. <laughs> yep. And we got it back like 30 <coughs> minutes later, but the damage was done. And then they, they fired me shortly after. They said FedEx security has disqualified you from work. Yeah. So, um, to, to get back to the question. So like, uh, mending that relationship with my sister, um, has been, has been a huge source of, uh, like just dealing with my baggage, but the relationship with my mom is better than it ever has been. She's in recovery. Her life is recovery now. She's going to I think she's at a convention this weekend. She goes to conventions all the time. She has a shit of sponsees. I go to her celebrations. I know a lot of the people in her network. Um so that was like a huge gift of recovery. Was like like I mean, I'm not even gonna lie and my mom's probably gonna end up listening to this, but there's still some some baggage from childhood. I mean, who doesn't deal yeah. with that in step in step work, you know? And there's still like weird super subtle resentment stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um but all in all, I fucking adore my mom and she's like such a great woman and I and I've um really come to realize how much she First of all, she was working on her best information, and her worst crime to me was loving me too much and letting me get away with fucking anything. Yeah, you know. So a big part of my life and like why I blamed her for shit was like, I feel like to accomplish shit, I need work ethic, and I wasn't raised with this shit, so I have to mm-hmm. learn it. I'm 33. I just started learning it like no, thir- at 32. You know. know. Yeah. So it's been a that's been a struggle.
0: <laughs> don't don't look at me like that. Rude. All right, uh, last question. What's going to be my last question? Mm, We'll do a fun one. All right, so I don't don't know if you've listened to Christina's podcast. I have. (laughs) The donkey story.
1: Moral turpitude.
0: Moral turpitude. She just celebrated. I know. Uh Um, So the donkey story. She kidnapped a donkey and then... Walked it around town and then brought it back. Brilliant. So, what is your donkey story? What is the- holy
1: shit? I don't have a donkey story David. like
0: that. Dude. No, nobody does. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, nobody does. Huh? I had some decent ones, but mine were more like you're, you're, you piece, piece, of, shit. Shit. You're a piece <laughs> of shit. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, David, do you want to go pee in people's mailboxes? Like, I really do. You're
2: shit shitting golf holes. Shitting <laughs> golf holes. Shit I know that golf. story. God yeah. Damn. It. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean...
0: I'm so mad at myself for that, because Eric...
2: T- steal the whole axle off of cars?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. The
2: entire thing instead of just air, the tires? Eric
0: totally fucking shot <laughs> a hole in do that. You,
2: do you need a lift for
0: that? No, you need cinder blocks and an acetylene torch. It's really easy. Okay. Really, we'll you had show
1: me it later. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no.
0: Eric, Eric was like, "Why are you shooting in golf balls? It's not some like rich guy." It's exactly. Like, you,
1: you, are doing this to the working class. The
0: groundskeeper. Uh, yeah, exactly. and I was
1: like, No, <laughs> idiot. What <laughs> do you all,
0: think? All, all some rebellion. rich guy is
1: gonna see that and he's gonna yell at Jose and yeah. clean it up, dude.
0: <laughs> I fucked over Jose. I'm sorry. Poor Jose. <laughs> Poor Jose. I'm so bad. So, what's the most ridiculous shit? A ridiculous, hilarious story. If it's I mean, sa- if it's sad, don't say it. It has to be funny. Okay.
1: I mean. The FedEx truck is pretty funny. <laughs> the FedEx truck is pretty funny. Because um, that was pretty idiotic. But, like, I, I've, I've since forgiven myself.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I mean, I can't think of it. Like, you've kind of put me on the spot. So I can't. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not thinking of one now. But I, I can say that... Um, as a teenager, I was a fucking pretty bad vandal. So, you're talking about, you yeah. know, peeing in mailboxes and stuff, yeah. you know. I We used to drive by, my buddy had this uh, minivan and we would just be drinking. I don't know how we didn't get arrested. No, yeah. But we would all day be driving in a drinking minivan. Oh, yeah. We're all 16 tops. Yep. yep. Drinking 40s. Yep. um Opening the... Like we would open we would do we call door. them drive bys. Yes. Yeah. We would open the side door and then we'd like moon people or we would <laughs> or we would like I would stick my whole body out and just be like, hey, you fuck you <laughs> like at a random bystander and then we'd close it up and then we'd move on to the next place and we would drive yeah. all around Bowie and just yes. do that all fucking day yep. and somehow never got pulled over. I don't know how it no. works. Yeah. yeah. And but like some of my vandal vandalism shit was n- unacceptable because like i I did some pretty big damage you know and like one time i think i was like 20 at this point so like my vandal years were behind me but i was hanging out with a friend from high school Mm. and we were drunk as fuck so we like just decided to go be vandals again yes
0: yeah (laughs) so weird did you ever do that shit what you just vandalize shit randomly Mm. No, No, I can't say that I did. I don't think you. I remember we did.
2: I have to think about that, but I don't. I don't think. I don't think so. So That was me.
1: I straight up went to this place that they had like parties at, and I don't know why, um, but like it wasn't a party night, and I just like went to the front porch. There was a little kid's bike. I grabbed it and I threw it through the Bayview window.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, that's terrible! It's terrible. I still feel guilty about it
1: um i pl- please don't use this in court <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and uh what, what else was it uh so oh and i remember one of the one of the the funnier ones that was highly destructive was when we this was back when we were still teenagers like you know how it is growing up like with a group full of guys yes. usually there's like one that like is the butt of the joke or the one that we oh, fucking course. bully all of the time yeah. yeah it was it was,
0: ter- I was were you that person no, I was the bully. <laughs> the was so terrible. was I. I was the bully. <laughs> I, was I was the so, bully, I too. Was, uh, <laughs> yeah. I instigated the shit out of him. Exactly. Because if it wasn't you, it, it was fine. Yeah. You were like, I don't want to take that heat. Exactly. Fuck this kid. Exactly. You know. I still
1: sometimes was like, oh, I feel bad for this kid. Oh, I, um, I'd, I'd but for the most part, so, I was like, so well, it's not times. me. Yeah. Um, and I remember we, like my buddy, had gotten these mm-hmm. fireworks from Kentucky that were no joke. They were legit, yes. and we went to his house. His parents were home; he was not hanging out with us. And we opened the screen door, and we put like a real—I don't remember which kind—but it was like one of those one that goes,
0: yeah, like a fucking mortar, yeah, a fucking mortar. somebody's ins- house. inside, oh, so between
1: the the shit. door and the uh, and the they just had like the a front door of the screen. Oh
0: my god! Yeah.
1: Sent it in there, and then booked. <laughs> Such a <laughs> dick move, dude. Yeah, and the, and oh we God, even went sound. back and and did it again in his mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> Blew up his mailbox completely. <laughs> yeah, so there was a. I have a lot. I have a lot of those stories. There's a such lot a of vandalism. Yeah.
0: God damn it. <laughs> And that shit's hilarious.
1: <laughs> that side of me is it's still with terrible. it. I'll oh, never
0: yeah. do it again, but it's still fine. I've never done it again. But yeah, yeah it is still totally funny. alive. Yeah. Oh god, that's terrible. All right. Do you have a final question?
2: No, let's just wrap it up on that okay. one. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm we're
0: trying, just, trying not to judge you guys. We're gonna There's end no on. judgment here, <laughs> but we're just gonna end on a low note right there.
2: No. Um, just gonna leave it there and <laughs>
0: Yep, yep, totally. Big women are better than us. That's um, <laughs> true. Yes. So we wanna give you a quick minute. Uh, talk to anybody out there struggling who needs to hear a message of hope and strength. What do you have to say to
1: them? Mm, um, Yeah. Just know that like, uh, I mean, for me, what kept me away from seeking help for so long was thinking that I wasn't bad enough or at a certain point thinking that I was too bad and that, that this was just my lot in life. So whatever that lie is that you're being told, um that keeps you away from help and keeps you away from believing that there's a different way of of living or that you don't deserve it just don't believe that shit and and if you're in recovery new in recovery and you're struggling don't believe that lie either you know and if you have relapsed and you're worried about being judged for it my experience says that you will Always be welcome back with open arms, you know And um, one of the main things I notice and I struggle with this too is like sometimes I get caught in my, um, in my friendship, in social aspects uh in 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 meetings mm-hmm. so like after the meeting i'm like excited to talk to my friends and i sometimes i forget to talk to that newcomer that looks super uncomfortable yep and um just know that if you keep coming back and like sometimes we 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 forget to like address you or if you haven't like asked for help because you haven't felt gotten the courage to do that yet if you keep coming back we will like be will like you know a we will show you love and you will become part of this thing with us and one of the main things that keeps recovery sustainable is making friends to so find your people in here you know uh because like without that i don't know if i'd be clean right now you know if it wasn't for the people yeah
0: yeah all right well we would like to thank our guest halsey for joining us today thanks guys oh, yay
1: this well, is a joy
0: oh yeah All right, so here at Podcast Recovery, we are aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction. We work to bring the message of recovery to every addict wherever and whenever it is needed. We believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and at the touch of a button. Every addict deserves to hear a message of hope. and Podcast Recovery is here to provide it. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Go to all our social media outlets, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, to get learn more about us. Go to podcastrecovery.com. Like, share, subscribe. If you'd like to become part of the family, please join our Patreon to help us keep the mics on because we are self-sustaining. But uh, most importantly, everybody out there,
2: stay safe and stay clean.